Hey NAI football fans, Corey Thorpe here with another edition of the NAI Ball Podcast, powered by AdCraft USA, your custom apparel, merch, and uniform experts. Our friends at AdCraft have been with us for many years now. They've run web stores for us multiple times. These guys are NAI fans and family who are experts in the apparel and merchandise world. AdCraft allows you to take the hassle out of ordering. Let their knowledgeable design and customer service staff handle everything from hosting the store online, shipping the product, and helping your customers so you can get back to the game. Find them online at adcraftusa.com. All right, NAI football fans, this is Corey Thorpe. As you can see by the fact that uh, I have the ads off to the side where John usually is. I am Johnless tonight, and unfortunately, uh, couldn't get the intern on tonight. So you get a solo here of the NAIF Ball podcast, and tonight we're going south. Now, last week we did the Heart North. This week we're going to the Heart South. Now, we talked about last week with the Heart North that the North is a very kind of cut and dry division. Got Grandview and Culver Stockton, and then you've got a bunch of people going for the rest of the places, trying to make gains, trying to make uh, their way in NAI football. Well, the South, the South is anything but. You've got four teams at least here that could all vie for a top spot in the heart of America, and a couple teams that we'll see could make it big. So, you heard the sponsor. You see him right here next to me, Temple Sports, uh, AdCraft USA. So thankful for them and the rest of our sponsors, whether it be Mommy Bay, Turf, Turf Nation, or whether it be Leading Edge Fundraising. We are so thankful for our sponsors and absolutely think that y'all should check them out. They are the best in their respective businesses. So, we'll start from the bottom like we do every time, and that's going to be Missouri Valley. 3-8 and eight a year ago, 0-5 oh in division. Now, they were 5th in offensive yards per play at 5.34. Fifth in defensive yards per play, given up at 6.05. Giving them a net yards per play of negative 0.7. That is last in the heart south. Now, they do lose a good bit off of what was a really good offense a year ago, whether it be Kenneth Samford at running back or Keenan Young at wide receiver. They're also losing their quarterback, some of the running backs, about half of their wide receivers, and most of their defense. But here's the thing, if you're Missouri Valley, you are tied right now for the winningest program in NAI history in football. This is definitely not where you want to be as a program. You want the Valley to roll. You want to see that Viking on that helmet back in Durham. I don't know if you're going to make it back to Durham this year, but it starts here. And getting good, solid playing time for your young guys is going to be huge here for you. Let's be honest, this, this division is almost wide open. Could Missouri Valley take that next step? That's going to be the question. You do lose an offensive, a good offensive lineman in Adam Balkin, good defensive lineman in Ty, uh, Ty and Bray Miller. 
you're just going to have to make that next step if you're MoVal, and you're going to have to get back to playing Missouri Valley football, and you're going to have to be better than fifth because everyone else up from you in this division is specializing in one thing or another, all except for maybe the uh, uh, exception of Baker. Let's look next at Mid-American Nazarene bringing in uh, a couple of second-year coaches here. Uh, Mid-American Nazarene had a really, really good offense. They outplayed their defense by a wide margin here. They were third in the division in offensive yards per play, almost six yards per play, but they gave up almost six and a half per play on defense, leaving them still with a negative net yards per play. You do uh, return your quarterback, but you're going to have to replace your running back. But really, if you're Mid-American Nazarene, you're just thankful that you return Caleb Tannis the most touchdowns in the NAI receiving with 22, 1,359 yards there. And you've also got to be happy you're bringing back two all-conference offensive linemen, and Zach Mack and Andre Brown. That is a huge thing there for the Pioneers. You are losing Kalene Wilridge here with 555 rushing yards, but you do return a lot of defense. And for a team that was bottom of the division in defense last year, we'll have to see if that's a good thing or not. But I know for sure that folks like Trey Matt Pledger and Troy Hall are going to be able to step up and make a difference next year and try to get out of the defensive basement of what is generally a good defensive uh, division. So you've got to have a good D here, and that's got to grow. Now, the next one up on the list is probably going to shock you a little bit. It's the division winner from a year ago, Central Methodist. 9-3 and three a year ago with a 5-0 and o divisional record. And you might say, now, hold on a minute, Corey. They went to the playoffs. Why do you have them here? Don't shoot the messenger. The stats, the, let the stats talk. They were fourth in offensive yards per play with 5.5, fourth in defensive yards per play with 5.41, and they are the first positive net yards per play at .08 net yards per play, good for fourth. So that's why they're here at fourth. Let's talk about Central Methodist a little bit, though. Central Methodist, I don't want to say... They were lucky because they had a lot of really good pieces last year. But they definitely got some good breaks. They were outgained in their games against Benedictine, Baker, and Evangel. Outgained. And not by like 10 yards. They were outgained by 100 to 150 yards in each of those three games. Well, then you're going to go, well, they must have had a really good defense, created a lot of turnovers. But in those three games that I just mentioned, they only had a plus two turnover margin. So what happened? Why did Central Methodist beat those three teams and still not have the stats? Well, they really had a feast or famine 
offense last year with Paxton DeLaurent at the helm. They relied heavily on explosive plays. They were very, like I said, feast or famine. If it wasn't Paxton DeLaurent making these explosive plays of 10 and 15 yards at the time, they, they weren't moving the ball a whole lot. And now Paxton DeLaurent has transferred out. Um, Catavius Taylor is gone at wide receiver with his 910 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns. Will Miles is gone with his 14 tackles for loss. London Chambers is gone with his 97 tackles and 16 tackles for loss. Anthony Hernandez is gone. Kari Henley is gone with his 65 tackles and four interceptions. Samuel Petron is gone with his uh, long of 70 on punts, 40 long on kicks. That is a huge, huge set of names here. Now, returning, you do have Torrance Evans, Trenton Byers on your offensive line, and LaMarcus Washington on your defensive line. But is that enough? Central Methodist is going to have to figure out how to have an offense without Paxton DeLaurent who threw for 2,500 yards and 25 touchdowns, along with rushing for 553 rushing yards. Paxton DeLoren almost single-handedly made Northwestern really nervous in the first round of the playoffs. That kid played his heart out as a true freshman, or COVID freshman at that. Catavius Taylor, you just don't go replacing a 1,000-yard receiver here. Central Methodist, is really going to have a hard time if they can hold serve this year and make people really nervous that are above them, the Evangels, the Benedictines, and the Bakers of this division, then that will be a serious, serious win for Central Methodist. Because with losing what you are, I believe Central Methodist is going to take a step back this year to what was a very fortunate season a year ago. And then we head over to the short-timers, Evangel, with their last year in the Heart South, heading over to the KCAC to become their 12th team next year. The Heart South will replace Evangel with... Uh, Missouri Baptist, which does kind of fit. Now you have Moval and Mobap in the same division. That's going to work out all right, I think, for both the KCAC and the Heart of America. Now, Evangel, remember what I said about specialization. Evangel's offense was last in the Heart South at 5.3 yards per play. Which, to be fair, is really good when you take that against a couple of the teams in the Heart North. But defensively, they were really good. 4.64 yards per play defensively given up. And that makes them third in the Heart South in net yards per play at almost .7 yards per play gained. And they return a lot of that good Defense, whether it's on the defensive line with Will Anoai, uh, with his uh, 12 and a half tackles for a loss, or 
Seth Cathy with his 13 tackles for, uh, for loss. Whether it's uh, Cole Orchard in the linebacking core with 97 tackles and 14 tackles for loss. Or even in the defensive backfield with Anthony Levirafan with 62 tackles and nine pass breakups, getting those active hands in that defensive backfield. And Nate Swafford with his four pass breakups to go along with three interceptions. You return a lot to a defense that was very good. And you really only lose Dalton Cloyd with 79 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for a loss, and two forced fumbles. You, re- you do lose your quarterback for Evangel. That's a big spot to fill. But you return most of your wider, uh, all of your wide receivers, most of your running backs, and most of your defense. Offensively, I do want to point out Derek Johnson on the offensive line and Dylan Hester and Josh Denny at wide receiver. Dylan Hester also with a kick return touchdown last year. Just a, a really good spot here for Evangel. Um, you, can, you can have a good year, then you can move it on to the KCAC. Tell you what, though, before you go to the KCAC, you want to be looking to develop that offense. Because if there's one thing the KCAC does really well, it's going to be offense. And you're going to want to be better than 5.32 offensive yards per play if you want to go into the KCAC and be an impact team right away. Evangel is really one of those teams that could push for another division title this year. Honestly, it's pretty wide open because just over the top of them is Benedictine. They're still kind of breaking in their new head coach. Last year, they were 7-4 and four and 3-2 and two in uh, the first full season since Larry Wilcox, potential uh, Hall of Famer at some point uh, in the college football world, hung up his uh, playbook. Now, Benedictine made a major change in the way that they ran their offense. Under Larry Wilcox, they were a very I-formation, hit-you-in-the-mouth, one-wide-receiver kind of folks. Switching over to a more modern offense, they showed out. They were first in the heart south with 6.68 yards per play offensively and were pretty good defensively. Third in the heart south with 5.39 yards per play defensively, which is good for 1.29 yards per play. Now, what's really good is that you do bring back Rayshon Mills. That is a fantastic thing here. You also bring back your quarterback from last year, who was your leading rusher as well. So you do bring back a good rushing game uh, with Garrett Kettle and Rayshon Mills. You also bring back Reed Levi, who is going to be a Kettle's go-to target next year with the departure of Trey Adger. The tight end caught 390 yards worth of balls with six touchdowns and 16.3 yards per catch. That's wide receiver style numbers right there. You do have some folks that you have got to replace. You already heard me mention Trey Adger. You've got Austin Budo that you've got to replace there. Um, you've got to replace John Capron and Clayton Mordecai on your offensive line. Those are big dudes 
for your running backs to line up and run behind. Jalen James, Tyler Tierney, Matt Heinrich, a punter, one of the few in the NAI who has a 40-plus yard punting average, which is a huge weapon to have. You're really going to have to get your wide receiver core to grow up and step up here and provide good opportunities for Garrett Kettle to throw to. You do return about half of your defense out of, again, a, a unit that was really good a year ago, headlined by Isaac Anderson with 32 tackles, six of those for loss and two and a half sacks. But you're going to have to figure out how to beat Baker. Because right now, Baker is still the team to beat. But they lose a couple of huge spots. A couple of huge players here that were intrinsic to their success over the last few years. And that's going to be their quarterback, Marco Aguanagua, who blossomed into a really nice passer over the years. Started out as very much a rushing quarterback and grew into a 63.3% passer. Only seven interceptions to th- uh, 23 touchdowns. And then you've got to replace the all-time NAI rushing leader, J.D. Woods. Now with the Seattle Seahawks, 1,377 rushing yards, 25 touchdowns, 6.3 yards every time you hand him the ball. That's good stuff right there. You also need to replace A.J. Tata, who was a really good uh, target in the red zone. 123 yards, but a few touchdowns, 9.5 yards per catch. You lose a lot of that running back production. You you lose a few wide receivers. You've still got some coming back and a few in your defensive uh, side of the ball, including Josh Moore and Bryson Briggs. So really, you've got to lean on defensively your host that's coming back, starting with Shane Squarlo, your, your jack linebacker there. 41 tackles, 14 of those for loss, two forced fumbles. Marcus Johnson also on the defensive line. Ten and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles. Mitchell Henry and B.J. Harvey and Cannon Karn, three all-conference linebackers here. Karn with 75 tackles, Harvey with 58, Henry with 48. That's a lot of defensive production along with Will Cox in your defensive secondary. But what will Baker be? Baker's got to replace a really nice quarterback and a really nice running back. Not only a really nice running back, an all-time NAI running back. Now, returning offensively, you do have Darian Lewis at the tight end position who hauled in eight touchdown catches along with 310 yards and Nate Pauley with 595 yards and two touchdowns. That's a good set of pass catchers for your quarterback, whoever it's going to be for Baker. But of these top four schools, there's no one like Grandview. Baker is replacing a quarterback who was a four-year starter 
and the all-time leading rusher in AI history. Benedictine is losing a lot defensively, and they've lost a lot of wide receivers. Evangel might be in a really good position here if their offense can get going, but they're bringing back a lot of talent. And then we'll have to see what Central Methodist can be. There's, there's no one team here in the Hart South that really sticks head and shoulders above the rest. This is a really deep division, top to bottom. And this is going to make for really tough cross-divisional games for the North. Really good playoff tune-up games for them. And whoever comes out of this division, this is kind of like being in the uh, uh, Mid-States Mideast. Whoever comes out of this division is going to be well-suited to make a deep playoff run. To me, I can see Benedictine finding enough offense to make it uh, enough wide receiver production to do what they need to do, and they've got enough defensive folks returning that I think they might be able to overturn Baker this year for the division and Central Methodist for that matter. So I'm going to call Benedictine the Ravens for the Hart South division. Uh, division winner my oh man there are so how do you pick a dark horse team when it's five deep I really think that if Evangel can get their offense together they're going to be a very tough matchup for so many but can I go Part of me wants to go with Baker for my dark horse. You'll lose a generational talent at quarterback and a generational talent at running back, and you're going to be hard-pressed. If you are going to win the division, you're, you're going to have a special year. I think Evangel on, on kind of a getaway year, I'm going to call them my dark horse this year as they depart for the Kansas Collegiate Athletic Conference. Keep it locked here. Again, for our previews going forward, John's down at Weber International right now at the Down and Dirty Lineman Camp. So uh, he'll be back hopefully next week. Thanks so much to the Benedictine Ravens who uh, got us this great pick of Larry Wilcox Field to throw up on the green screen uh, tonight. And, um, well, I know you couldn't see it all night. Unfortunately, tonight I, I don't have any, any sweet gear from any of the South teams. So I uh, had to pop on a Concordia shirt and go with it and, and go with the theme of black tonight. So, uh, so to match my, my background a little bit. So for John Cooper, I am Corey Thorpe, and we will see y'all next week. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the NAIF Ball Podcast presented by AdCraft USA. Be sure to contact them for all your custom apparel, merch, and uniform needs. Thanks also to Mommy Bay Turf and Turf Nation, as well as Leading Edge Fundraising for their support of the podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe to the podcast as well as to our YouTube channel. 
Leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. As always, if you'd like to support what we do, head over to patreon.com slash n-a-i-a-f-b-a-l-l and become a patron. We can't do what we do without our sponsors and listeners like you.